The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will be streamed live. What up, everybody? How you doing? Well, hey, the revolution will be uh, streamed live. Streamed live, <laughs> televised, whatever vise it is. Skype. Uh, Skype. Skype live, yes. Because we, we in, I feel like the end days. Right. But we're going <laughs> to, I think this is why they made weed legal. Um, right. <laughs> oh well, my God, I have that thought every day. <laughs> See, I, I, I'm not crazy. My soulmate <laughs> right. is here. Um, Welcome to another Critical Thinking Podcast. I'm Ian Harris. Ty Barnett. And we are joined today. Uh, visually, you'll be able to see Kelly Carlin. Hello. but And you'll be able to hear Rain Pryor Rain on this other side <laughs> over here. And um, yes, yeah, so this is really cool. We've been wanting to do this for a while. A um, long time. Because I, I think I, I asked you like almost a year ago, hey, you think you'd be doing down to doing that? And you're like... Yeah, we well have to work it out, and it and and took me a while. It takes that long. You can set that on there if you yeah. want. Oh, I can't. Oh, look, look at this. At I have people it's doing technology. things for me. Yes. It's very lovely uh, here. Um, Excellent. So a, a little obviously uh, for those of you um, who are in the fucking Stone Age or for whatever. People who don't, I don't know who Maybe would not, not know, but, but, but we're people. we're comedians, Ty <laughs> and I. And, uh, oh, yeah, a lot of people might know that. They might not know that. <laughs> <laughs> they, a lot of people might not know that. If they tune in, they think we're political pundits. They're like, wait, you guys do comedy? I thought you, do, I thought all you oh, did was, okay. was, was Trump's play and everything yes, or whatever. Yes. Um, but, but we always thought it would be really cool. Uh, the, to, to us, the two, I mean, I think the most comedians, the two greatest comedians to ever live. Oh, thanks, bro. Yeah, are oh, Ian Harrison. Oh, oh, oh no, 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 sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Nice. Richard Pryor. George Carlin and uh, I, I met Kelly a while back, and and she was so nice enough. In the last special I did, you did a uh, I did a little a really cool thing with a bunch of people. I had Penn Jillette and I had uh, um, Paul Provenza, and a bunch of people did little little uh, clips. And we met, and I was talking to Ty one day. I said, you know, it'd be really cool. Ty and I both have daughters. We're both dads of daughters, and I'm like, how cool would it be to have daughters of the comedians talking to comedians who have daughters because I'm like, how do I not fuck up my kid any more than I already have? Because you guys seem to be really, well really adjusted. cool, really. really. And I'm well like, adjusted. and I'm like, man. So Rain you're, was like, yeah, yeah she's like, okay. sure, I'm willing. Yeah, no, you actually guys are probably being too good of parents, so you completely <laughs> fucked your daughters. We got right? to yeah, yeah. we got to mess them up a little bit more. <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, I personally am uh, super excited for two reasons. One, um, I've, I've known about Rain for a long time, uh, and I've never gotten a chance to really meet you. So that was uh. one. So I was very, very excited for this. And Kelly, let me tell you, uh, I, I, I often wonder, like, with, with white, com white comedians to me, like, I didn't kind of get into that until later. But when I started watching your dad, I was like, man, you know what? It's amazing that these people can have these points of view and we're different types of people. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, so that was my first introduction to it, like him, Brian Regan, these types of cats. So I, when I found out Ian set all of this up, I was just like, man, this is going to be one of the most exciting shows for me. Cool. Because I am still a fan of comedy. I am still a student of the, of the art. And to see people who grew up in it, I want to get you guys' uh, points of view on it because... I, my kids and Ian's kids, you know, we're not uh, ultra famous. Well, you know, we, we can pay bills. Yeah, that's, that's what we are. Like we we, we make right. enough money to pay bills, and and so far that's been cool. All right, right. But we aren't ultra famous, so our kids haven't really had to live in that mm -hmm. that life. And I remember the closest I came to it one time. I just done last comic, and I was walking through the mall with my youngest, and she was like up to my my hip. 
And some dude walked up like this close to my face and was like, hey. And even my daughter was like, I had to pull her back. And the guy was like, oh, I just saw you on the show. So that was my closest thing to it. So I want to ask both of you to have dads that are at that level still, by the way, still. This is that's how you know, again, by the way, that you've made an imprint. Decades have gone by (laughs) and they are still considered the, the top of the top. What was the weirdest moment for you two? Being around your dads and, and, and at the height of everything. Mm. E- either one can go first. I don't care who. For, go for, for it, me Rain. It was the, for me, it was the hookers. <laughs> 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 for me, it, it was the hookers and the copious amounts of cocaine. Um, <laughs> okay. That were just. That right. were just there we're going to kill the slow child. music for this segment. <laughs> <All right>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, wow, that's fame. Right. <laughs> well, there yeah. you go. There uh, you go. Uh, <laughs> I have a couple. Uh, we didn't have hookers. There was a lot of cocaine. There was a lot of cocaine, though. Right. Uh, two things. One of which was I was really little, and it was in the '60s, black and white TV. Uh, my dad was like, you know, the straight-laced George Carlin mm-hmm. version. Mm-hmm. I remember. And. Um, my mom's really excited because he's going to be on some big TV show and I'm little, I'm four, five, somewhere around there. And she's going to, she puts me up in front of the TV and it's like, daddy's going to be on TV. Daddy's going to be t- on TV. Don't even know what the show was. And um, here's George Carlin. And my dad comes walking out and all I see is this little man in the box. And I start screaming and crying for my daddy. Where's my daddy? Where's oh, my, my daddy? Oh, wait, so you thought he was, something was wrong? I thought he was locked in the box. Ty. <laughs> Well, Locked in the box, um, oh and God. then and then the weirdest thing as far as drugs goes is my dad did try to explain to my mother and I one morning that the sun had exploded and we only had seven and a half minutes to live. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. But you can nah, read I, you can read about that in my book. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, um, no, I, I wonder about did did um that was a I had to have a question about about the the drugs actually written mm-hmm. down. How does that, I mean, I grew up with an alcoholic dad and there was some drugs in our family because my, you know, my, my parents would party. It was the seventies. Everybody did. Everybody did. But I didn't really, I knew about it later and I saw some stuff going on, but I didn't see it like, but, but it's, I mean, it's, it's a known thing, right? So it's like, how was the, were you, you guys were, were privy to it? What did you, how did that affect it? Did you know what, what was going on when you were like, what kind of age were you? And you know, I, I held up signs to my dad, like just say no to drug signs. Oh my god! <laughs> I did. I used to leave condoms on his bed so like he wouldn't have any more kids. Stop. It's, it's called parentification of the child, by the way. <laughs> oh, well, it's there, an actual thing. There's, right? there's an actual I'm word for it. So, Are yeah, you serious? She is. I'm serious. Wow. Very. <laughs> Yeah, I used to have to. My parents would my parents would hide their coke from each other because that's what cocaine makes from you do. Each other. And, and then they would forget where they would hide it, and they would blame the other one for stealing it. And I would have to get in the middle of their arguments. And one night at three a.m., we went through a a huge library of books because my dad had hidden it somewhere. He did not remember. And we had yeah, he could not remember. And we opened up every single fucking book until we found their coke. And dad was like, "Oh, I guess you didn't steal it." This is already the best podcast we've done ever. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is, would be hilarious to me. Like, you know, I'm thinking about my kid because my my kid, like, 
she's 14 now, but every moment I have about her and my act, or every moment that I that's like really memorable was like five to seven. Yeah. That moment where she's kind of right. discovering stuff and like swearing and whatever. Like I could I could picture I don't I'm not a I don't do drugs at all or anything. My um but I could picture my daughter being like, Dad. Where did you hide the cocaine from mom? Okay. <laughs> mom, calm down for a second. We'll yes, find it. Like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So people who are just tuning in, we're tuning in. Uh, we're, we're, we're together with uh, Rain Pryor and Kelly Carlin. Your do, orders- do, do, do you have a, uh, a just I want to screw up your name. I mean, you're, you're, you have a, you're married. So do I, you go by? I am. So it's Vane. But Rain, people know Rain Pryor. They know, okay. you know, if you're my friend, Rain Vane. <laughs> okay. Oh, Rain uh, Vane. <laughs> Gently on the plane or something. Rain Vane. Exactly. <laughs> I have nice. twenty. I have twenty thousand names. Also, my okay. legal name is McCall because I'm married. Also, but my stage name, public name, is Kelly Carlin because okay. you know. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, I got to get some reward for That's this. Right. Shit, right. That's right. People. Who knows? Pretty soon, you'll be hiding cocaine in books. Yeah. That's. Oh, I already went through that phase. Too, oh, right? okay. oh, oh, or, or or you'll ha- or you'll to get political, you'll have you'll have Trump going. Wait, why why does she use her fake name? It's not even her name. She's using it for illegal reasons. She's trying to get some... She's trying, is, She's relying on her father for all of her pain. I just love that Kelly said, like, I went through that phase. I went through it only once, tried it, went to my dad, said, I can't believe you would do this shit. Mm. And his response was, are you sure you're a prior? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's... Is phenomenal. That's fabulous. Um, okay, so you know what? That actually brings me... To a question that I wrote down, I actually prepared a, a question. Um, oh. Yes, I did. So what? That, that's homework for Ty right there. Yes, it is actually. I, I usually just riff. But uh, <laughs> what is nice. the biggest misconception about your dad's that the public uh, had, and but you know is not true? Hmm. Actually, can I give a real quick shout out? Zen uh, of one of my friends on Facebook asked similar question. He said about myths. Um, that were different from from what the public saw. So it's the same. So I just wanted to let. Okay, great. Yeah, same thing. Well done, Zen. You <laughs> yes. you're in alignment with Zen. time. Yeah, exactly. don't, don't be taking my homework. Fantastic. Right? Uh, well, for me, yeah. I don't know. Let's see. I I think a lot of people thought my dad, in some way, was um, like a luddite or something. Like because he was like so like anti-capitalism or something Mm -hmm. like that. It's like he didn't like his shiny toys, which he really loved his BMW and his brand new Apple products every year. Um, oh wow! Yeah, right. Nice. I know. And um, you know, he like did he, you know, he did Word on his Apple, and every year he'd get a new one. Like, you know, Dad, you're not calculating, you know, <laughs> equations to go to the moon and back, you know. Uh, but he loved having shiny new stuff, any kind of recording stuff or anything like that. He loved. Um, and the other thing too is that people don't realize is that one of the ways that Richard and my dad were so different is that my dad never talked about his family on stage. So most, I think most people didn't even know my dad was married or had a kid uh-uh. because he never talked about his personal life on late night or stage right. or anything. Um, whereas Rain's dad um, would just unzip put his soul and yeah. just put every personal thing out on stage. That's true. Exactly. Yeah. What well, Was there anything, Rain, that, that, that you... Um Myths that you heard heard of, or things that that you the the the, the oh, and I'm another one after rain. Collective thinks is true that you're like, no, that's he was actually completely this other direct other way, or I don't know, I don't know, because Dad was so honest about who he was, right? That I don't know, like there wasn't any. I mean, he just kind of vomited the truth. Right. <laughs> wow. 
So there really is nothing other than the fact that he was very generous. I, th- I don't think people know that he was he gave things away. He gave things to school like he never it, he, he didn't do it. And then you found out about it. Like, yeah, my dad was like gave that money too. to run a school right. and he gave, you know, all these kids on the island of Maui presents for mm-hmm. Christmas and Hana. Like, you know, nobody knows those things. He was that type of person. That yeah, that's 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 interesting. My I found out after my dad died that he would like um, talk to like open mic comics. Like he would go into towns and like that's young awesome. young college journalists would talk to him, and then they would say, "Oh, I'm you know I'm doing open mics." And like six months later, he'd call him up and say, "How's your set going? What are you working what? on?" I know. I yeah. found wow. that after he died, oh, and man. and that freaked me out. But the, the the other big thing, the other big myth about my dad is because a lot of atheists worship my dad, which I give atheists a lot of shit about that because right. they worship him like a god, <laughs> which is like, hello, Ian. don't you yeah. see that human psyche is set up for worshiping? So you know, my dad was actually an agnostic, and he was a huge spiritual seeker. He was very curious about the mystery of life, and was always seeking, and was fascinated that I was a Zen Buddhist, and um, mm. and that I studied Jungian psychology. So he was very, very curious about that stuff. He had a huge, deep, open mind about stuff like that. You know, it's funny because um, I think that two things, like a lot of comics are this way, but but maybe growing up with both of your dads, like, you know, growing up for me, um, literally as a a kid watching, I mean, I watched comedy from the time I was very tiny all the way to, you know, till now. So I feel like I grew up with them. Like you said, that like his soul, they're both of their souls were, you knew who these people were. You yeah. felt like you knew them personally, which is the sign of a great comedian, but more so with them to where I, I look back and I go, um, I mean, again, I don't feel like I have obviously those, the kind of problems or the kind of issues that you hear about, you know, like, like with, with Richard Pryor, you hear about well, all this crazy stuff. I don't have that, right. but I feel this... Um, this like flawed character that is like you you can look at someone and go wow that is a good person who who has a gr- a good soul or a good psyche or whatever it is but man we are all so deeply flawed and that's also what makes us uh makes those i don't want to say us those people who are brilliant brilliant sometimes mm-hmm. yes and it always right. drives me crazy now because we have this um i mean i don't believe necessarily in cancel culture but but we have this thing where it's so hard for people to separate the good things from people did from the bad things they did. And we talk about yeah, that all the time. There's a lot of purity with, testing going on. These yeah. Days. And, and, yeah. and what do you do when you have, you know, you look at, at people, um, you know, the, the Bill Cosby's of the world or, or the, or the, um, anybody who did something. I mean, that's a little extreme. Yes. But point is that it's really <laughs> hard sometimes to separate people from their work and their personal yeah. life, if their personal life is in the, is in the, the yeah. collective, I, right? I think it's an interesting point right. about comedians in general. Yeah, and 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 that's why I think because we idolize these, you know, we idolize the Priors and the Carlins and stuff, and we idolize the Cosbys too. But I always felt like, at least with with, with Richard, it was like when I, I saw I forgot what the documentary was. It was on Showtime, I believe, though. And when I watched it, I said, "Man, a lot of shit makes sense now. A lot of right. shit makes sense about him." how he wrote, why so many people gravitated towards it, and all that. And the same thing with, with, your, da- with your dad when he came out there as a straight-laced dude mm-hmm. and, and then later he made this transformation into who he really yep. was. And it's like, 
once you become that person that you really are supposed to be on stage, you see the truth come out. So when you would see Carlin, you see, so I loved watching both. Cause I, I remember watching, I remember the first time I saw an old Carlin performance and I had to pause it and like, who, right. <laughs> who is, <laughs> cause it looked nothing like they do. And same thing with right. Richard. Well, yeah, old, 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 old Richard. Probably Richard came out like he was 12. With right. But remember he came up and, and he was trying to, they say he was trying to be like Bill Cosby. Uh, with you know, with being clean and all that, and even him and Cosby got into it where when Richard was kind of like, man, fuck you, bro, I'm doing my own thing. Right. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, that sounded great. <laughs> right up there, yeah. But that's what I loved about both of them because their imprint, like when you look ba- back at their history and their imprint on this society, no one goes to early prior, no one goes to early Carlin. They right. always go to. The evolved and the and the fully formed in their prime prior in Carlin when they had the true voice that they really wanted to say and everything like that. So what I was wondering is, what did you you two see around the house once that evolution was when they said, yeah, this is what it is. Like I'll, I'll tell you real quick what I mean by this. Like I remember when I first started doing comedy, my mindset was one thing: I would just do the easy jokes, just do the jokes that I know are going to get laughs and all that. And then when I found my voice, my attitude changed. My attitude changed being with my kids. My attitude changed about life and all of that stuff. So what did you two see once they embraced the the person that they became that made them uh, icons? Hmm. Great question, Ty. Uh Uh, Well, for me, I was pretty young. It was 69, 70. So I was six or seven. The the biggest thing change that happened was my dad grew a beard <laughs> he came, he went and got a hernia operation and came home with like a beard and it was like who's this guy you know when you're a kid you're kind of like well dad looks different um and things got very different because we started going on the road my mom and i with him and um i i think the biggest thing i mean my dad was always the guy he was he just put that suit on in order to have a career. He um, wanted to be Danny Kay. Like that was his thing uh, when he was a okay, kid. Okay. He thought he was going to go to the movies. And then he and, he and Richard came up together in a lot of ways. And then Richard was younger than my dad, but he made the change quicker. He made the change about two years before my dad. He, he walked away from Vegas first. Yeah. And my dad never right. could really pull the plug in a direct way. Instead, he got fired for saying shit on stage. Like he pushed. Isn't that crazy? My dad was like passive aggressive guy. He like wow. I'm going to push the limits and have someone else <laughs> fire me, kind of a guy. Right. He was a street kid from New York. Right. He grew up, you know, in Irish Harlem between Black and Spanish Harlem, and he was a you know he was an Irish street kid, so he had that kind of attitude. And um, but Richard really was his his like his leader like he he followed Richard's path he saw Richard make the turn first and he thought okay there's some safety there and this is of course me as an adult being able to talk about this but as a kid at home now my dad's hair was long and he was wearing hippie clothes and he was saying the seven dirty words on stage you know so yeah it was it was different that's awesome yeah what about you Rain and for me for me just growing up with dad during that the time of his transition it was you know the black panther party at your Mm -hmm. house um it was revolutionary meetings going on in the living room and wait 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 wait. so you mean literally the black panthers yes oh my god i thought she was using that just oh my god no like i have i i still have my well it's not mine my dad gave it to me but like oh no no come on not on this you know (laughs) 
Oh, wait, we lost uh, it. Revolutionary suicide. Whoa. Huh? You lost me? Yeah, for a second. For a you're, second. You're back. You're back, though. It still says poor oh, connection, but this. Okay. So it's like I have revolutionary suicide. I have, you know, we had, that's where he went to. It's like you have to read Malcolm X. But, Dad, right. I'm five. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, who was your, who was your babysitter? Yeah. Angela Davis and You Huey will Newton. learn this what? by any means no, necessary. No, actually, wait, hold up. What, hold did you actually up. have Huey Newton as your babysitter? You're, no. <laughs> okay. I actually, well, I had Jim Brown right. as my babysitter. Stop. I've had, wait, Holly Woodlawn oh, oh, as my babysitter. Oh, my God. The iconic Holly Woodlawn. Whoa. And, yes. <laughs> Whoa. That's this, yeah. uh, again, yeah, see, this is, this is but see awesome. that, that's But see, that's the kind of thing, too, where I think, like, is that, you know, I feel like maybe when, when you look back at it, sure, but at the time, these are just, you know, it's just we're just at home. With You're our just parents. at home. It's your people. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know, like, there was yeah. nothing. There was nothing strange right. or weird or right. about any of it. It's, it's normal day to day. Yeah, <laughs> right, I mean, exactly. Rain and I talk about this, and we both grew up in L.A. Yeah. And even though we grew up a lot around people and went to school with ki- other kids who had famous, it's just you just think it's normal. normal like, right. This is what it is, and you don't really kind of realize right. until you start going into other populations as a kid that like, oh, all right, mom and dad aren't. You know, other moms and dads aren't snorting coke and smoking <laughs> weed at home. You know, Wait, maybe no one they're... else is doing coke right. at five in the morning. What? I don't understand. Right. It's yeah. it, 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 it. That's that. I think that was kind of the weirdest thing about it, and and it kind of made for a little bit of a lonely upbringing because. Right. You're kind of isolated, and you know you you want to cover for your parents. You need to protect your parents. I mean, right. you know, I would have been taken away as a kid these days. My parents yeah. were yeah. like so fucked up. And Absolutely, yeah, a hundred percent. So unless you're in it. politics, yeah, it, <laughs> unless you're in politics. Actually, it would have been the other way around. They're like, we're going to take your parents away. Yeah, uh, poss- possibly. <laughs> yes. Well, they tried a few times. My dad did get, get arrested quite a few times. So, wow. um, yeah. so but, my dad. Yep. Yeah. Yes. So, so you, so you, you know, you go out and you, um, you pass, you pass as a, as a straight yeah. person out in the world. I was a straight A student in school. I was, you know, a very good girl in oh, every other aspect wow. until I hit my teenage years and started doing my own drugs. <laughs> but for the most part, I was there to uphold the Carlin reputation out in the world. Right. Yeah. Now, did you guys, did you guys know each other as kids? No. No. no, 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 no. We met after my dad died. Um, we met briefly at the comedy awards and both her mom and her dad was alive, but we didn't really meet each other. But we met through Paul Provenza and okay. uh, the green room. You talking about oh, the comedy yeah, the awards room. that they had over by, um, over by Universal Studios? I think so. It was, you know, the American comedy awards yes. and yeah, yeah. yes. I'm going to tell you <laughs> my very first time coming to Los Angeles uh, uh, let me think. Uh, me and a friend of mine, Tony Daniels, we won a competition in Seattle, and the the prize was a trip to Los Angeles to go to the Comedy Awards. Uh, and wow. so we 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 tied we tied at the competition, and they couldn't decide who. And so me and Tony were on stage, and we said, "Hey, look, man, <laughs> let's just us both go," because we both had us uh, uh, we were both dating people, <laughs> and so we were like. Well, is your girl going to trip? I said, I don't give a fuck. So <laughs> we, let, let's go to this thing. Me and you both, they're not in, even in comedy. Me and you go. So right. anyway, we got we came here, uh, went to the American Comedy Awards, and let me tell you, uh, I saw your dad across the room, and I forgot who I was. I, I remember um, somebody was fixing, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis 
was fixing my boy's tie. She was she was fixing Tony's tie wow. and trying to have a conversation. And I saw your dad across the room. I said, I'll be right back, bro. Excuse me, Jamie Lee. I, I made a beeline <laughs> for him, but this is like in the later stages. Unfortunately, he was like he was in, in a wheelchair. In, in a wheelchair right. stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And I remember seeing him and... I got to tell you, I, I, very, very few people that I've met in my life, as in my life, especially comedy, have I met where I said, you know what, this right here supersedes a ton of other shit. Mm. And and I remember that, but I, I felt really bad though because he was in the later stages, and then I remember when he passed, I actually had this sense of relief because right. I was like, right. man. He's no longer he's no longer dealing with that because that yeah. that has to be right. rough for him yeah. to mentally be there, but not physically be able to mm-hmm. do the things that he what wanted. You did. What you did, Absolutely. because I, I know, you know, it, it, it must have messed with him. So it was one of those bittersweet moments. But I'm telling yeah. you, I always tell people, I'm like, listen, you guys don't even understand that right there is one of still I've been doing comedy what 20 years. That's one of the tippy top moments mm. ever. <laughs> Ever, ever, it's, ever, ever. It's funny. I, I met, <clears throat> I met both your dads. But same thing. Late stages. It was actually at the. There was some tribute or something at the Laugh Factory. This is same thing. Huh. Um, it was somewhere around there, and or some some club in L.A. And um, say, and I didn't know what it was about, but he was there for some reason. Same thing. Wheelchair. And I was like, "That's Richard Pryor. Is he going to be in the room?" And I went and asked again if it was. I can't remember if it was the Improv or the Laugh Factory because I do impressions that I used to do. You know, I do a mm-hmm. George Garland impression. I right. do a Richard Pryor impression. I used to do all these impressions. And I'm like, I'm going to see if I can go do a Richard Pryor impression in front of Richard Pryor. <laughs> That'd be so cool. <laughs> None of it happened. But at least I was like, hey, That's sir. Awesome, how are-? Well, the funny thing is that actually, similar, I was at the Comedy Magic Club several years ago. This has got to be at least 10 years ago. And, um, and I was there to do their little four minutes on July. Every July, they give you four and a half minutes, and it's like 30 comics yeah, on stage, yeah, right? That, yeah. And George was there, right? No, no, no. He wasn't there, but uh, Sally was there. Uh-huh. Okay? Yeah, he was dead 10 years ago. Um, yeah, well, no, it was actually right before, it was before that, though. So it might have been so 12 years ago. 2007. So, yeah, it was probably Early right 2008. Uh-huh. Yes. So I was just going to do comedy, and... Um, and then Mike Lacey goes, hey, and, uh, you know, uh, 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 Carlin's, uh, uh, I don't know if they were, like, fiance, I don't know what there was at the time. Is it, girlfriend. Uh, girlfriend, They never yes. married. Oh, yeah. And um, he goes, girlfriend or whatever is here. And um, would you do your George Carlin impression tonight? <laughs> and I'm like, well, Mike, I wasn't really planning on doing impressions. He goes, come on, just just for me. It would be really great so, if, Mike. if you did your George <laughs> Carlin impression. <laughs> right. So I, uh, I said, all right. So I did my thing, and I get off stage, and, and Mike comes up, and he goes, he goes, oh, I got to tell you this story. He goes, I'm walking through the back, and Howie Mandel comes running around the corner and knocks me over, knocks me on my ass, and I, or he said butt. And he goes, and I go, Howie, well, wh- what are you doing? You know, and he's like, he goes, why didn't you tell me George was going to be here tonight? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, it's not. It's just some kid doing an impression, oh. and whatever. And then he he went out there. He's like, wow. okay. I'm like, that's kind of cool. I made Howie Mandel knock. That's uh, awesome. Knock Mike Lacey over in the. Uh, in and the, that's a good Mike Lacey, by the way. The <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Did, did uh, there. That's pretty good, man. <laughs> I don't want to go too. <laughs> For you far, comedy geeks there. out there, you know what we're talking about. Um. So since you since you both know the impression and and, and the that you your dad's left, did you ever feel like was there any pressure? To either go into the field or <laughs> to kind of go, I, and I know, I know, Rain, I know. What, what, okay, what was your mindset? Was it like, 
Because I remember like Michael Jordan's son played basketball right. for like a hot like a hot second. And yeah. I and I always wondered if he stopped because of you can't, you know, this Michael Jordan, you're always gonna be compared to that that person. Did you ever feel did I did either of you ever feel like I'm gonna either go into it and do this or I'm gonna get as far away from that as possible to establish my own thing? For me it was both. For me, it was, I'm going to do this because he had said to me, you should do stand-up comedy. Wow. <laughs> you know, and I'm like thinking, oh, you know, okay. Um, but people can't, for me, could not separate him and I, uh, okay. regardless of the fact that I had a vagina. Like, it just was <laughs> not, it was just, <laughs> you know, there's that expectation. And so, like, like, you know, as a comic, as you both know, you get to go out and go to the rooms and work stuff out and it's either funny or not, but you know, you're working it out. And I, oh, I felt at, at that time I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have that honor to be able to work stuff out first. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's, like, oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about that. that yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't think that that would all automatically cause you already given this status, <laughs> you're given this status before you even get a chance to grow. Yes. Right. So I didn't you can't, you can't be invisible or anonymous in any way, which you sure. really need at that early stage. I had, the, I had the opposite experience. I um, started doing storytelling. After my mom died in 97, I started to write a one-person show and started, started to develop that. And my dad was very uncomfortable with it um, and basically said to me, look, I love you and I'm never going to tell you you can't do this, but I'm not coming. I can't support what? you. What? Because he was just, he had a lot of guilt and shame around the drug years and part of my story is surviving my parents' drug years. It's oh. my story. There's no blame. Oh, I'm yes. not victiming. No perpetrator. Nothing like that. I'm just right. like, hey, this is what I fucking survived and it was chaos. My dad had his own issues around right. it. But then at one point too, I was, uh, I start, you know, was went to grad school and came back and all of that and did my best to stay away from it. But I still, Spalding Gray was my big hero. Mm. I, I wanted to be a Spalding Gray. I wanted to be able to unzip my soul on a stage and make people laugh and cry through my right. life stories. And so I started working on some small stories. And my dad said to me, you don't want to be a stand-up, do you? And I knew that it was the same thing that Rain was saying. It's like he knew that no matter what, I would be a Carlin. And he wanted to protect me from right. the horrific hecklers out there who would say something like, you know, bring the funny Carlin out or something right. like that. He just wanted to be a protective dad. And I, I have to say something else, which is that when you're with someone who's like Richard or my dad, I don't know so much if Richard was like this, but my dad was a bit like this. There was... A, a bit of there was healthy and some unhealthy narcissism around it all because mm. yes. there was really really only one room for only room for one Carlin um. on a stage um, oh. in a lifetime and I and so when my dad died I felt like I finally had permission to get on a stage and tell your story and tell my story and do whatever I wanted on a stage right. without him kind of standing in the background wringing his hands about it all you know and and it was funny because my uncle his brother and my cousin who's my uncle's son they both started doing stand-up also after my dad died and they're both very funny and 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 actually my uncle Pat fed my dad a lot of ideas and a lot of things wow. huh. and so we all three of us became performers after my dad died that's how much space a genius like that takes yeah. up in the world yeah. in, right. in a family psyche for sure right well you know it's funny i had stopped doing comedy so i, I had a daughter my daughter in 2005 and i you know i started comedy in 92 and you know i've been doing it pretty much my entire adult life and i stopped doing it 
pretty much, I meant just not to be on the road. I'm like, I'm not going to go on the road. And I ended up, wasn't going up in LA, wasn't doing anything. And I took like five years off. And um, I was working on film, some films and stuff like that. And actually, I I think I told you the story. I actually, my my friend and producer lived next door to your your dad. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had met him a few times and Hey, can I park in your driveway, sir? There's no place to park here. All right, <laughs> the canals. Uh, yeah, and the canals. <laughs> and um, and I actually asked him to do a cameo in the film, and uh, he was he he actually read it, and it was like, uh, um, uh, no, but no, no. <laughs> actually, you know what? You know what? The funny thing is, he actually he, he actually left he actually left a message. This is this is uh, oddly enough. I'm always I always joke around that I have horrible bad luck, and he left uh, he left a message with with uh, Zelda, and uh, and he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, you know, he's like, I want to make sure. He goes, I got to talk to him because I want to make sure that he's. There's a lot of comedians in it. He goes, it's not about stand-up, but there's comedians. It's an L.A. story. He goes, I want to make sure the comedians are portrayed right, hmm. which was my big thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's, yeah, sure. I was like, oh, awesome. cool. Can I talk to him? And she's like, yeah. And that was two days before he died. Wow. And my friend called me the next day and said, so I, apparently you killed George Carlin. <laughs> she oh, goes, my God. She goes, as soon as he said he would do your project... He's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> what the fuck was I thinking? But but oddly enough, I felt so much. I mean, I didn't obviously don't blame myself. But I, it's ridiculous. But I felt so this weight of like, whoa, what this is? Wow, George Carl. It was like I was gonna yeah. talk to him, meet him, and then my friend called me and he said, uh, you know, was talking about what a loss it was to comedy. And my friend goes, you know, I think it's really dumb that you don't do comedy anymore. And that was what got me back to doing stand up wow. comedy again. Yeah, and then I started. It took me about a year or two to really do it, but then like two year, about two years later, I got back on stage, and I got back on stage, and I took my daughter uh, when she was like five or six on my birthday to a to a coffee shop in Culver City, and I, and I and she'd never seen me do comedy, didn't even know I was a comedian. Wow! And I did a, a, an open mic, like five minutes uh, at some open mic where everyone was horrible, and I was you know, so I just crushed it at this like coffee shop open mic, wow. and my daughter was like, "What the fuck was that?" Yeah. And I was like. All right, I'm going to start doing this again, and that's what got me back into doing wow. comedy full time. That's great. Nice. Isn't that yes, I, I um, I've not walked away from it. Uh, I, I love <laughs> this, but uh, so I'll tell you, <laughs> it's so funny. I almost forgot to even bring this up. So in my home, and my wife, uh, she hates this. Uh, I have one, two, <laughs> three, three pictures of your dad in the house. Uh, one is an album that I got, and it's off to the side so no one can see it. But there's another one that I made. Like, I made this poster myself back in the day, and the poster is is three pictures of Richard. Um, and it's, so they kind of, it was a small picture here, it gets here, and then a big picture of him, you know, and then it says, um, it says, uh, no, no Facebook following, no uh, MySpace page, no, uh, no YouTube following, simply funny. Mm, That's right. all it is. It's just simply funny, and it's it's in the bedroom, right? So my wife jokes about this. She she hates it. She's like, "Why do you have to have the face there?" I said, "It's not right in front of the bed. It's off to the side, first of all." <laughs> and then I got another one. That's the poster uh, from I forgot which album it is, but it's in the living room. So uh, every time we talk about you know moving stuff around, uh-huh. I always tell I said, "Listen, everything else aside from that New York picture." <laughs> Is is the, the the pictures of prior? That's off. We can't even do that. that that's, they're not moving. They're not going anywhere. Nothing. And I and I I try to explain to her why. I said because I get inspiration from it. I get inspiration from great people like like your dad and your dad. Because to me, 
it, it it really wasn't about being having followers. It wasn't about that. It was about simply getting on stage, pouring your heart out, and getting the reaction. That's right. just what it is. Mm-hmm. So to right. me, I get inspiration from people like that. So I keep these up in the house because right. I, I want to be able to walk into. You never know where you're going to write. I may write in the living room. I may write in the bedroom. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I may write in the little studio area. But I always wanted to have something to draw something from. Uh, So my question is, what do you two draw inspiration from and what did your dads draw inspiration from? Mm. Mm, Good question. Go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I I draw inspiration, I think, the same way. Life, observation, you know, um, dad drew inspiration from the same things. And he just, we're both like, the thing I think that's similar is we, for me, with dad is like, we don't know how not to speak our truth. Mm. You know, that's why, like, let's say I got into like, I'm going to run, you know, for city council in Baltimore, you know, because <laughs> I want to bring about change through truth. I want to talk about that, too, yes. by the way. And that's that's the wah, wah, wah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, truth in politics? Yes. What? Yeah, exactly. You are not part of this exactly. club. I can yeah. tell you right now, just just because I want to, I want to hear your answer too. Mm-hmm. Anyone listening now that because you know normally by this point, me and Ian are going off on how fucked up the government is. So <laughs> right. I know they'll turn oh, in yeah. like, what? Why aren't they? What's going on? And don't worry, we'll get to that in a second. Everybody, <laughs> we, we'll get to that in a second. And your inspiration, where do you draw inspiration from? It, it's funny because I, you know, I. Th- these last 10 years since I've been doing a lot more writing and pondering and putting my own, I had, I had a podcast myself called waking from the American dream. And that really gave me a place to find my own voice and, and, and interview people. And rain was on it a lot. And I had all different kinds of comedians and creatives and politicians and spiritual people and just all over the board. And, um, and, you know, my dad used to talk about the things that inspired him were three different things, one of which was language, obviously. Yeah. If you're a George Carlin fan, you yes. know that he loved language. Words and that was, matter. Words matter. And, and, and that at the same time, they are just words. Like it's a construction and it's not at the same time. Like really interesting. But words, language was very important to him. He was fascinated by language. He was fascinated by the, the truly the huge big picture. You know, he used to talk about like having a perspective off of earth so he could really be critical and have a critical eye towards everything and not be at all kind of um, um, worried about the outcome. It gave Mm -hmm. him a chance to kind of not be worried about the outcome. And then, of course, observational humor, which is something really my dad was the pioneer in, you know, that let's talk about these crazy little things we do, like, you know, snap, crackle, pop and snap, crackle, fuck you. And, you know, all the, all the little observational stuff that he did a lot of at the beginning, you know, tons and tons and tons of it. And I think about my own mind and what I'm fascinated with. And he made me fascinated with language from day one. I still am love the etymology of words. Mm -hmm. I love the power of words. I love, um, how you love to use big words. I love to use big words. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm like, I, I know, Google right? etymology. <laughs> I don't know anything about insects. Words. And, exactly. <laughs> and But I love big picture stuff too. I mean, I love being like really taking a big look back. I think that's why I'm a practicing Buddhist. It's why I love the Zen stance. It's like a big, you know, like what's the, that's that's the most you know, long distance view there is, you know, Mm. is that there is no separate self and it's Mm. all one thing. 
um, you know, and, and physics and all that cool stuff. But I'm also a Jungian, you know, psychologist. I, I have, you know, I have a women's coaching business and I, I work like on detailed levels of like the macro micro of a, of a life, you know, and, and what are the ship we think about all day and what, and what shapes us. I'm fascinated by what shapes us. Um, and so it's, I don't know if that's like genetic or nature versus nurture or what, um, but for me, like my dad, like Lenny Bruce was huge for my dad. Lord mm-hmm. Buckley was huge for my dad. Um, you know, people like that, but I'm really, what people inspire me are people like Georgia O'Keeffe and mm-hmm. Frida Kahlo, like our female artists who basically said, I'm going to go do ever what, whatever the fuck I want. And right. I don't give a shit about right. whether this is popular or interesting to anyone else. Right. This yeah. is the shit living in my head and I need to put it out somewhere. And I feel right. like I'm just starting to get to that point in my life. Really? Like, yeah. At but, 55, 56 now, I'm like, I'm just starting to feel like I can be more like that person. And don't you think to me, when I think about that, what you just said, and it, it goes along with comedy or music or anything, it's almost always, right, what Ty was talking about, finding his voice later on. Yep. It's always when you say, when, when one says, I'm just going to do what the fuck I like to do. Yes. And this is what I'm, this is what I'm about. That's when people go, sometimes, sometimes it never takes off for them in that way till years after they're dead. Sometimes that's the little spark that all of a sudden everyone goes, whoa, what is this person talking about? Yeah. But it's amazing. It's like, it's, so many times you hear people go, I did this for all this, all these years. And then when I said, screw it and just went and did my own thing, boom, all of a sudden everyone wants to hear what I had to it's, say. It is fascinating. And, it and, is. and that's what, to me, right. like, <clears throat> that's what. Um, that's what great art is, really. I agree, and that's what I think. That's what the role of the artist actually is: is, now, is to speak that unique, unique truth. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and I think, um, and that's the difference. I, I mean, I, the thing is, I think that all the it, all art is really the same in that. Whether it's music or painting or writing or, or comedy, art art is art. It's inspired by something. It has <clears throat> it has a message. Not necessarily that it has to has to convey a message, but it always has a message of who you are as an individual. Yes, and it's always right. rubbing up against the status quo in some ways. Right. It's, it's standing separate from it and saying, "This is how I see it." Right. Whether you see it that way or not, that's a separate conversation. Yes. Yeah. Now, really quick, so we've been. I wanted to get. I want to get your perspectives, and then you can do the same thing if you want to tell me what you think your dad's perspectives were or would have been. That would have been great. But I want to get your perspectives. Right now, there's a big thing with everyone's talking cancel culture and everyone's talking about well, punching up and punching down and the Dave Chappelle thing because he, you know, he made, it's such a weird. It's and of course, you know, Trump, all this, you know, the non P, everything is. Oh, we don't want to be PC, but it's like now PC is is not being PC means you get to be racist or whatever. It's like this weird time that we're in where it's like on one hand we 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 want everyone doesn't want to be PC, but on the other hand, everyone thinks that. That cancel that that they're getting canceled for saying stuff, but it, I don't know. I th- I kind of feel like it's all a little bit, uh, a little bit nonsense. I don't think people are actually being canceled, um, but I also think people are 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 not uh, need to be aware of what they say in today's society mm-hmm. on some level. And, and I'm just wondering what you guys' thoughts are as far as, um, you know, I don't know if you saw like specifically Chappelle's was the one that started everybody talking about it in the last couple months mm-hmm. at least. And what, I don't know, what do you guys think about about maybe um, that that specific or in general, um, pushing the boundaries and punching up, punching down, that sort of thing? Like, where do you think it, it goes now? Is, is, it, is it over the top? Have we gone too far with it? Or have we not gone far enough with it? Well, um, <laughs> look at Cal. <laughs> um, I, I think a lot about this because I get asked this a lot really? because of my dad. And, you know, so there's. Right. So there's a role that political correctness. So political correctness came from academia. Mm. 
And it's from a very specific place on the planet. And it was about, you know, um, postmodern thinking and Mm. multiple perspectives and things like that. And and so the important part of multiple perspectives is that everyone gets to say their own fucking reality. Mm -hmm. Everyone gets to say, I feel like this when you do that. Mm -hmm. So everyone gets to say that. What happens, though, is when we say you no longer get to say that because it's it's potentially going to hurt me. And it's like, all right, so so there's always a dance between being a decent human being yes. and not fucking with other people and being horrid. Exactly. Right? And also being someone who's going to cross the line. My dad's my dad said that the role of the comic is to find the line and cross it and and then make it as logical and funny enough that you bring the people with you. you. Right. Yes. Right. That's the part people don't say very often. And sometimes you cross it. Everyone's too sensitive. Right. Right. And so the thing is about like Chappelle's thing. I watched Chappelle's thing. Uh, Nothing offended me in it at all. Here's the thing I, I think about stuff like that is if you're going to cross the line, this is why I loved my dad. He was so fucking artful at constructing an argument that you were suddenly over the line with him and you realized, how the hell did we get here? Right. I am now right. thinking things I've never allowed myself to think before and laugh at things and realize that it's all constructed. My dad was the person who protected every what he felt was maligned minority in America. I mean, right. I grew up in a household like Rain where we, you know, the, the N-word was not allowed ever. You know, my dad used it on stage a few times to make a point about language. But I mean, he was very, very sensitive about how fucked the white male fucked right. over everyone yes. of any other color and that right. capitalism and patriarchy and all that kind of stuff. And at the same time, you know, y- you can't the, I think my dad would be canceled these days. Like I like there would be people right. up in Absolutely. arms about something yes. my dad or Richard would say a hundred percent. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I want to. Okay, so I want I'm gonna I'm gonna let you answer the the the, the same question, Rain. But then I want to say something specifically about what you just brought up okay. and your dad. So do, oh, I was gonna say pretty much ditto. I mean that's how I <laughs> that's what I think about it. I think we're in a very I think right now we're in this we have. There's a difference between I'm telling you this, it's sincere and it's truthful and it might be on that edge of is this okay? And then being divisive to start something. Yeah. Just to be divisive. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be divisive. And I think that's kind of like if you look at the world, that's kind of where we're sitting right now across the board. Yeah, exactly. It's that. There is no there is no line because a line just keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed mm. and pushed and, the, and, and the, people are getting more and more offended. <laughs> and the reality is more speech is always better because the more right. speech we have, the more we can talk about what's wrong with these ideas. It's a, it's about right. ideas, people. Yeah. And that's the thing. And and here's the other thing too. The culture in 1960 and the culture in 2019 are two different cultures. Yes. We are moving into a more inclusive thing. Right. There are right. people who want to be called they and we and all of that. And that's that's, you know, that's fine. Wonderful. Yay, people are declaring who they are. The culture is changing. It's the same thing with the Me Too movement. And when the yes. culture changes, they do it in a it's a really clunky, horrific, 
um, unsophisticated, yeah. unsophisticated way of changing. And, and it feels like a it's sledgehammer. Like mm-hmm. Yes. And it feels like a sledgehammer everywhere. The culture will figure their way through this. But right now, and I think social media is added to this, is oh, yeah. everyone has a fucking point of view. And everyone's emboldened. And it's emboldened and you're, you're anonymous. And I, mm-hmm. whenever someone right. fucking trolls me, all I say to them on Twitter is, if you were standing in front of me, would you say that to me? Mm-hmm. And they disappear. And they go away. We, we, right talk, we talk about time. that. All, the the right level of vitriol. The key, keyboard warriors. <laughs> the level of vitriol goes away the closer you are. On an open forum, people are crazy. You private message them, they're a little less crazy. You call them on the phone, right. they're, they're a little exactly. less. Face to face, they're your best friend. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's yeah. so yeah, Ty, what was your point? I, I want to say that I agree with everything both you said. Um, but what I what I specifically want to ask about was when Richard came back from Africa. Was Af- was it Africa? He came back. Yeah, came yeah. back. And from he Africa. said, and he said, I'm no longer going to use the N word. Mm-hmm. Right. That, to me, was one of those moments where he said he was very aware of his words and how his words carried over to other people. And all. And, and, mm-hmm. and that was also at a time where white folks was just using it more hatefully and, and everything like that. And, you right. know, same thing with, with George. He used it to make a point. Mm-hmm. So I agree that we are hypersensitive. But what I admired most about your, your dad's were it wasn't malicious. When they said no. these things on stage, never. If, if, no. if Richard talked about gay people, he always put himself in the type of situation to where you're like, oh, okay, well, wait a minute. Uh, right. It's a it's a personal experience. George right. is talking from a personal experience, so you can't get mad because it's not a generalization that they're making about right. other people. Yeah. Right. When he talked about right. racism, he wasn't making it about all you people do this. He's saying this is my experience with this, right. and so right. when he changed his tone about using the N word. Mm. He had that awakening, but he still was true to his his ability to still, like you said, yes. bring people with them. Same right. thing with George, bring right. people with them. And by the time you saw their point, like you said, you were already there with them. Right. With, I would say the same thing like with Mudbone. When he did Mudbone, like, mud, like this is what I always tell people when, when, when I see them perform, I'm like, are you just telling the story or are you really trying to place people exactly there with you? Mm. Right. And that's what these two legends did. They they made you see exactly what you felt like you were sitting there right. with you Mudbone. Did. Yes, you know what you I'm did. saying. You yeah. felt you felt like when when Carlin's talking about the the, the seven deadly words, like you, you you're like, oh oh sh- shit 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 shit. Yeah, like you're, because you're, you're right. there. Yeah. So I like that they were wordsmiths first, and the fact that they were able to do this. This is why I have a problem with these new guys because they don't value that they don't value being right. able to feel same say the same thing but say it in a way where yeah. you bring everybody in yeah they my, figure oh let me just say something offensive yeah and if you don't but like see, it wonder, then you're not letting I'm me be edgy like, and then i wonder is that because we have social media you know it's like we've right. lost the ability to communicate effectively yeah with yeah. one another yeah you know because you swipe you delete you you know what yeah. i mean throw out a couple of words it's become this weird way of yeah effective communication yeah i mean you know i mean twitter taught me how to write a joke because in 140 characters you have to figure out (laughs) the exact rhythm and word placement in order and that's 
the art of joke writing. That's what you need to know, no matter what, even if it's in your bones and you don't, my dad worked so hard on crafting a piece. People didn't know, people thought, oh, he just got up there and talked. My dad was the kind of artist who took ideas and then formed them into a thing and then went and worked it out for a year on stage to get the exact thing. And he memorized it word for word. So when he would tape an HBO show, (laughs) yes, when he taped an HBO show, there would be a 15 second difference between Friday night and Saturday night's show because it was the exact same thing. And so he he constructed logical arguments. He used reason Mm -hmm. and his rational mind to bring people along so that they... so that he, they couldn't, so they had to come along in some way. And that's what right. I see so much of is lazy, lazy yes. writing, lazy thinking. Oh. And and that's why my dad, to this day, is. you can watch still anything from the last 35 years, yeah. and it's still pertinent to today. So well, r- right. r- real quick, I was just going to say the thing that, for me, I think that most people, uh, the one thing that always throws me off, because I'm like a, comedy nerd I'll sit around and like evaluate everything everything you know, every, break every yeah. every joke down you should but see I this think, dude prepare for a show <laughs> but but I'm that way I will I, I, I will figure yeah. yeah seriously and I'll figure out exactly which no that word doesn't have the right rhythm to it I need it's, to find a word that yes. works. but but right. I always thought I think a lot of people think that about about George they go oh he's a wordsmith and this and I never hear that not never but rarely do I hear Richard get those kind of, and to me I always say he had this a poetry to his words that was so meticulous that was like it was very real and like the way you would just talk to people um right but i i, I when i um when i talk to anybody about comedy i always use two two examples about great joke writing that are so simple that 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 it's all about the words and how per- perfect it is and they're both richard richard Pryor to get one is is how he talks about the the bit um where uh you know, we, we civilians can save people now. He goes, you know, by giving a mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. He goes, I don't know. If I'm walking down the street and there's a dude with slobber and shit hanging out his mouth, he ain't going to make it. <laughs> and to me, that, that little jump of he ain't going to make it, and right. then he acts it out. He always then would act out. Yeah. Like, he'd come up, hey, right. bro, you ain't going to make it. Unless you can get someone to wipe that shit. But I just, I always, since I was a little kid, I'm like, what a clever way of saying I'm not going to. He didn't have to say all that. He just said... He ain't gonna make it. Yeah, and makes you make the leap. Exactly. Yeah, and and then the other one was as being an you know I make my living mostly doing comedy for atheists and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I always get compared, like you said, atheists love uh, love George Carlin, and that's amazing. And I'm like, yes, he was he was so great, especially later on when he did all the stuff about stuff that's bullshit and all that kind of stuff. But the joke that I always point to that I think is the most one of the most irreverent jokes of all time, because of the situation. Was there's a, a joke Richard Pryor did, and it almost seemed like an aside, the one about vampires mm-hmm. or Dracula. And he goes, they say if if, a, if Dracula come to you, you got, or vampires come to you, you got to show them a cross. He goes, because uh, apparently vampires are allergic to bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, for him to have it's, said that. It's, it's everything packed in it. Back then, though, yeah, yeah, with yeah. his audience, like, you know, your dad's audience. <laughs> right. Okay, his audience, like, to me, that that yeah. that's like, I can't believe that he got, and he got, nobody went, ooh. Yeah. He brought everybody along with him. Yeah. And that's what I think, that's an amazing, uh, amazing thing to I, me. I want to ask this, um, it, okay, because I didn't even realize this until later when I watched, um, what was that, where, what, what was the special prior did where he didn't like it and he went back? He said, I didn't oh, like it. Oh, Sunset um, Strip. 
Sunset Strip? Sunset Was it there? Yeah. Okay, so, so yeah. I, I had to go back and watch. I was like, oh, that's right. He did do one night, and then it didn't. He wasn't liking it. Packed house, and he says, "You know what? I'm just not feeling this. Hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna come back." First of all, balls, <laughs> right? Huge. Uh, I mean, because it's hard to do that in a small room. You ever been in a small room? But see, and- but see, you can do that before. To me, you could do that before social media. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was a different time, and comics were different. Like comics hung out with each other. Yeah. Right. Back then, do you know what I mean? It was a different kind of. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to ask you. Like you said, it was a different time. So did you, when that happened, did did you hear about that at home at all? Was there, any, was there anything? that he brought up personally from that. It- Absolutely. He, he, he would, so he would obsess over the fact that he felt he screwed up. Wow. Wow. Cause he, cause he came back the next night and murdered. And that's why right. I say you don't find people that are, first of all, that have that kind of, that people that give them that, like the audience right. gave him that. They, they said, mm-hmm. man, you know, you Richard Pryor, bro. Take your time, man. Take your time. Right. Come back <laughs> when you're ready. So yeah, it's to to with George now, because I always wonder like joke books. Like we have Ian and I have joke books. I'm, I don't know how many joke books Ian has, but now with George because he has a bunch of specials. Did he ever have a time where he said, "You know what? I'm not feeling this right now. I'm gonna come back and do this." Or was he so? Was he said, "I'm I, nope. I'm no, just gonna power he, through he, this." He worked always well. If it was an HBO special. You know, he had that unique unique relationship with HBO where he he was one of the first. Robert Klein was the first. My dad was the second. But my dad did 13 with them. And he worked every 18 to 24 months towards that HBO special. So he knew when he was taping an HBO special, he already had a third of the next special written. Like he knew what he was already going to be doing. Hmm. Yeah, he was prolific. I have so much stuff. I have so much stuff (laughs) in my computer of his stuff that was probably three new HBO specials that were just in the early, early stages. He was so prolific. And so he worked towards that. He needed those kind of handrails Mm -hmm. and those kind of goals. Mm -hmm. He was very self-disciplined. He was, he, um, as John Stewart once said, you know, George would like, you know, he walk in, punch the clock and sit down for five hours and then punch the clock and walk out. I mean, he was that kind of a writer, that kind of disciplined. So he, but back in the drug days, there were a lot of times when he didn't show up. Really? You know, and when he was, you know, he was the straight guy and he started doing more subversive material. He was trying to get fired at the Playboy Club in Lake (laughs) Geneva. He laid under a piano for the entire show and read the phone book trying to get fired. Stop. (laughs) And somebody went, genius, brilliance. And then they gave him a raise. No, no, they they booed. You obviously don't know what he's doing. Yeah, Yeah, no, he he was, and he had like, you know, smoked a lot of weed or something, you know, whatever it was. But he, yeah, he, so it depended. But when he was younger, he would feel more that way. But when it came to like HBO or something like that, he... He had a different, you know, he was uh, a good, he, there was part of him that was a good boy in, in, in interestingly strange ways. I have to ask this question really quick and then, and then uh, I have to go. We soon. have to go, yeah. So, oh, that's we're, right. we're, we're an hour, but <clears throat> yeah, ask your question, but then I want to ask um, him. Real uh, quick, Rain, um, could you, yes. could you see Cleavon uh, uh, Blazing Saddles? <laughs> Blazing Saddles. Right. Uh, I know your dad wrote it. Could you see, uh, Richard Pryor doing it, or are you comfortable with Cleavon Little? <laughs> I love that. I'm definitely comfortable with Cleavon Little. Okay, but, okay. And, Excuse and me I while I whip this out. <laughs> Wait, say, was it again? Sorry. 
and I can hear my dad. Okay. okay. Yes. Okay. Of course. You know exactly. what? Though? I, I, th- I think back because, you know, I didn't know about that till obviously much later. Mm-hmm. But it would have been obviously two completely different films. But the thing about yeah. the thing about it, it's like it's 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 you can tell it's Richard's writing, but Cleavon Little was he just had that like I don't know he was just so uh, smooth and yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 it was just like you go man that that guy I can't I can't picture anybody not other know, than him doing yeah, it he's so exactly. smooth yeah, yeah. Totally. so let's um we we have we're running out of time and uh, Kelly's got to go we got but I want to know tell us a little bit about uh, running for city council and then tell us a little bit Kelly okay. what you're up to. Um, so yeah, I decided to jump in and and be that person in the community that actually steps up and says, "Hey, I'm going to do something good for the community." Yeah, love it, love it. For city council in Baltimore, and it's you know it's an interesting process. I realize, and I I'm honest about it. I don't like the politicians of politics. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and I would love to see more citizens get involved mm. that really care about community than people who want to. And this is on both sides that yeah. want to line their pockets mm. and are, you know, taking advantage of people who need the support and help. So I love yeah. that. I right. love that. And uh, I, I don't live there, but you got my full support. I can tell you that. Thank for sure. you. Well, you, can, you can send and everyone you can send her money. She's raising money for her campaign. Yes. So please uh, right. just look up her. Uh, yeah. Prior the number four city council dot com. And, and and when is when is the actual uh, election for city council or the voting or whatever? Uh, April twenty eighth. Okay. April. Next year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is all campaigning fundraising time. Nice. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm in right now. Campaign fundraising time. All right. Oh, Everybody watching, cool. please uh, support. Is it support. a specific uh, um, uh, zone of? Um, third district. Third district. district. Okay. Yeah, cool. Third district in Baltimore City. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Oh, great. And, and um, what have you been up to? And I, uh, I've, I've walked back into the teaching world. I'm uh, coaching women right now. I have a business called Women on the Verge, Go Deep to Take the Leap. And I take uh, about 18 women each year, different times of the year, six different times of the year. And I help women step into, you know, mostly women who are in transition, figuring out what's next in the next chapter of their life. But really, it's about helping them dismantle the narrative inside of their head okay. about, you know, cultural baggage and family baggage about who they are and and what they're really worth. She's amazing. Thank you. And so I've been doing that now for about a year and continuing that on. But I've just and now that the business is settled in and in a flow, I'm starting to get itchy now about writing and mm. performing again. So there's going to be uh, probably in 2020 for sure. I'll be getting back on a stage and telling some stories. I love again. it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I, I, we know you. We know you got to go. I just want to say this. Uh, this has been an honor. This has been, uh, been honor is an understatement. To, <laughs> so thank you both. Uh, everyone out there watching, listening, all of that stuff. You just wouldn't. Can you see? I don't know if you see. You can't see. But, She's waving. I'm waving. Um, I'm waving to my friend. Right. And the 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 lasting impressions that your dad's left was awesome, but I wanted to say you two are individually amazing yes. human beings uh, in your own you. right. Thank you. And keep going forward. Good luck with uh thank with your you. yes. Uh, make vid- make a change. That's, Thanks, that's, guys. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Good luck to you both, and thank you, thank you. Uh, both for blessing our podcast. Uh, and give them all information about the show. Yes, you can uh, find us on iTunes and Stitcher. And those of you who are watching on Facebook, still download download the episodes. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Um, if you want to support us, uh, criticalandthinking.com. Or no, patreon.com slash criticalandthinking. And um, 
That is uh, pretty much it. You can find Ty at ComedianTyBarnett.com, which has all the links to all the social platforms and all of that. And, and you can Ian find Harris me at, at uh, KellyCarlin.com, of course. KellyCarlin.com. And she's active on, on the on the Twitters. I'm big active. So I'm big Kelly, active. Kelly underscore Carlin. 140 complex. characters or less. Uh-huh. Right? 280 these days. Yes, lazy, exactly. Lazy writing. Ooh. Lazy writing. Lazy writers. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you all next time. Peace. Peace. Peace.